What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We got a lot to go over, but first off, I hope you guys had a great week in fantasy. Hope you guys won your matchups. And I gotta tell you something. So, I'm in 11 leagues, as you guys have probably remembered by now how much I talk about it, but I have a winning record in all 11 leagues except one, and my second worst record is 6-6, six and six, and let me tell you something. I have the most points fielded in that league and I am now, after this week is over, going to be the seventh seed with the most points fielded. That just shows you, fantasy football is crazy. And you know, am I saying this as a you know a way to complain to you guys? No, of course not. Fantasy football, part of the reason it's fun is because of the luck involved. The head-to-head matchups, you know, I've been unlucky in that league. I've had, you know, I have the most points scored against me. I've had everyone on their best week, basically. And so despite being the high scoring team by a pretty good margin, like 70 points, I'm six and six. So I'm not going to make the playoffs because I looked at next week's matchup and uh, it's not looking good uh, based on who my players have to go against in terms of defenses and whatnot. So just keep your head up high. Guys, fantasy football is half luck and the rest is research and drafting and you know, team management through the season with waivers and trades and all that stuff. So you can always, of course, put yourself in a great position to win, but it ultimately does have a lot of luck involved. So I just wanted to put that out there because sometimes people, they get discouraged. They see their team has a bad record or whatnot. Man, if you're putting out the right product, it'll come eventually. So don't worry about it. And with that said, we can get to the waivers and the waivers are super short this week. As I said, as the season goes on, there are less and less people on the waivers worth picking up. And one of them is Cam Akers, which you guys have heard me talk about him most of the season. I, When we were deciding whether to drop him or not, I said there will be a time when he will be a hot pickup. And I know it's going to happen. Well, it is. Last week, he, I think, had the bulk of touches for the Rams. Running backs this week, he only had one touch in the first half. And then second half, he comes out. He rips off a 60-yarder. Then he finishes that same drive with a touchdown. He looks like their best running back, which, I mean, we all should have been able to see in the beginning of the season. I wish that they, you know, allowed us to see that and gave him more carries and let him just break out, but they didn't. And who's to say that they're going to do that now? They definitely might not, but he is a running back, and running back is short. And, you know, you got to add him. You got to add him. If you have space, you got to add him because any running back that has a shot at gaining touches or getting a workload in a you know okay offense which is all I think the Rams are then you got to pick him up so Cam Akers is one and the other one is due to an injury Devontae Booker so apparently Josh Jacobs part of the reason he didn't get many touches which we will get to later part of the reason he didn't get many touches is he hurt his ankle he has an ankle sprain and apparently it's worse than they thought and it's possible he misses time if he does Devontae Booker is the backup there for Las Vegas. He's been the one who's been sharing touches even when Jacobs is healthy. 
So I assume he's going to be taking the bulk of touches if Jacobs is out. So Devontae Booker would be the second guy worth a pickup. Both of these guys, I mean, it really depends on how much money you have this late into the season. If you've only got, you know, if you started with $100 and you only got $10 left, then you could probably drop two, three dollars on these guys. But if you have a hundred dollars left, if you have more money than most people, get these guys on your team. If you got to drop fifteen dollars out of your, you know, seventy remaining, I'm sure most people have like just about fifteen dollars. So just look at what everyone else has when it comes to bidding Fab this late into the season, because that's really all it is. Is you just have to outbid your opponents. So you want to see what everyone else has. And if you want to get super deep into it, if you're like really, really like if you're like me and you're really specific about fantasy and you you want to have the best advantage ever, look at who needs a running back, who's most likely to try and pick up the person you're picking up and how much money they have and bid one dollar over if you have extra money or just look at their past bids, see how much they usually bid on people and put a dollar or two over. You know, there's plenty of ways to look into fab, but those are my quick insights without spending too much time on it. And then with that said, that finishes the waiver pickups. And before we get into what we learned, which we will start with the Thanksgiving games. Oh, and by the way, a lot of you guys have reached out to me and said, hey, Brandon, you doing all right with the wisdom teeth? Yes, I'm doing good. <laughs> I appreciate the love. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all good, man. Uh, and with that said, I wanted to plug the merch. The merch has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. I just got a bunch of hats in and I got to say, I am so happy and it's like the the quality of these hats is amazing. Like I was not getting no cheap material stuff. It, they're adjustable in the back um, and it's not like the Velcro. It's, uh you know, like the little metal band thing. I'm actually wearing the hat right now. You can't tell. And why am I wearing the hat? I mean, I don't know. I just got them in. They look great. So I wanted to wear the hat. And uh, even though I'm just inside recording a podcast, but yeah, so the hats, if you guys want them, I posted what they look like on my Twitter, on my Instagram. Uh, hit me up. I'll let you know how much they cost. I'm still trying to figure out the cheapest way to ship them to you guys right now for the, those that are not in my area and, uh, you know, figure out the best way to get them to you. But yeah, hit me up. They shouldn't be too expensive. Um, you know, I found a, a good combo of price and quality. And yeah, the quality's out the roof, actually. So I'm super excited. Got the hats in. And with that said, we can get to what we learned and we're going to start with the Lions Texans game so Wolf Fuller and Brandon Cooks are wide receiver twos when healthy and it's been confirmed for the thousand they are great dynasty assets as well I think Brandon Cooks is probably undervalued in dynasty most people do not realize how young Brandon Cooks is most people think if you just ask them he's probably 29 or 30 he's 27 so I I'm pretty sure he's 27 I, I looked like last week but Brandon Cooks, he's always been somebody I've liked in Dynasty. Uh, he had that like one kind of off year, but he was dealing with injuries and concussions in um, LA So with the Rams. So yeah, I mean, Cooks is somebody I like for Dynasty. He's undervalued, so maybe you could get him for something if you want uh, in the offseason, something cheap, because I do expect that him and Fuller are going to be the future there with Deshaun Watson. Will Fuller is a free agent, but it's going to be hard for me to picture them not re-signing him, especially because of the receiver room. And what it looks like right now. So, you know, and Houston, lastly, they're missing their first. Their first round pick is gone. It's with Miami. So they can't draft a wide receiver super high. So that's another reason why I think they're going to re-sign Fuller. And Fuller and Cooks are going to be great values. Duke Johnson, he had the good game. His owners needed. Finally, finally. It could have been better, actually. But he got poached 
at the goal line by CJ Procise. Who is that guy and why are you taking fantasy points away from Duke Johnson? Come on, man. Come on, man. On Thanksgiving, not thankful for that. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, CJ Procise took a touchdown from Duke Johnson. That that stunk, but Duke Johnson still had a great day. And uh, side note, why can the Bucks not have a running back that can catch? Everyone has one. Every it seems like every NFL team has a running back that can catch, except for the Bucks. That's so frustrating to me. So frustrating. But with that said, on the other side of the ball for the Lions, we have Adrian Peterson. He got two goal line touchdowns. Ended with a really nice fantasy day. I definitely was not thinking Adrian Peterson was going to be the better play between him and Carryon. Not that I thought either were going to be great plays, but. For people that were asking, not going to lie, I did prefer Carrion Johnson. Why? Because he gets the receiving work, and he's also a better runner than Adrian Peterson at this stage in Adrian Peterson's career. But he was the one who got the goal line touchdowns, So and Carrion was not really in when they were in the red zone much. So I guess moving forward, if Swift misses any more games, it's got to be Adrian Peterson, because if neither gets touchdowns, yeah, Carrion's going to be the higher scorer, and he's going to have a safer floor because of it, because of the receiving but if you're really, I mean, let's be honest, you're playing a running back and you have to revert to one of those guys, you probably need some high points and you're going to need touchdowns to get high points. So Peterson will probably be the play rest of the season if Swift, for whatever game Swift misses. Then we have TJ Hawkinson. He is my dynasty tight end three. I have him in two of my three dynasty leagues. I loved him this offseason. I figured his value was really going to shoot through the roof after this season. And if someone does not realize that, go get him. Because, I mean, like, literally get him right away, like, right when the season's over. Because let's look at the line situation right now. The Lions have Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay, right? Those are the three receivers. Guess who is under contract next year? None of them. None of them. They're obviously going to resign. I mean, I say obviously. There's a chance they don't. But I would, you know, say it's most likely that they resign Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones is probably gone. Danny Amendola? probably gone. TJ Hawkinson's under contract. Quintez Cephas, and that was part of the reason I loved him in dynasties this year as a buy low, or not buy low, but draft at a value and hold him for the future because I like this talent. And you guys, you guys know my story um, on, you know, why I loved Quintez Cephas, but um, I liked the fact that both of these guys are probably going to be gone in next year going into the 2021-22 season. He's probably going to be the wide receiver two with Hawkinson and then Kenny at the wide receiver one. So Hawkinson's value is going to be immense if these guys don't get re-signed. He will be the second target for Stafford week in, week out. And he has the talent similar to Kittle in my mind. I really believe that TJ Hawkinson is a mini George Kittle. And he's going to see that type of rise next season. George Kittle, first two years in the league, good didn't get crazy volume, you know, kind of just came out of nowhere. Third season, boom, amazing tight end for fantasy. And, you know, yeah, he got hurt this year. That has nothing to do with anything. He is the clear tight end too still behind Kelsey. And honestly, if we're talking dynasty, I would rather Kittle than Kelsey just because of the youth. Um, But, you know, from year to year, I still like Kelsey more. But TJ Hawkinson, my tight end three. And if you want to put him at tight end four, you want to have Darren Waller above him. I get it. I understand. But I would prefer Hawkinson for the future. And lastly, that Lions offense, they need an offensive head coach, somebody young, somebody creative. Stafford can still fling it. He really can. 
Aaron Rodgers even said so. He said, you know, uh, I don't remember what the interview was about initially, but somebody was interviewing Aaron Rodgers. I was watching uh, a couple days ago. And Aaron Rodgers was just randomly said, you know, there's a quarterback that doesn't really get a lot of uh, respect or he's kind of, you know, um, what's the word? Under, not undervalued, whatever, slept on. But he was basically talking up Stafford. He was saying Stafford can fling it. He can make a lot of passes that most quarterbacks in the league can't make. And he's constantly impressed by Matt Stafford. And he knows more than most people. I mean, Matt Stafford is in his division. And he was just talking about how good he thinks Stafford is and how he's just been kind of, you know, hidden because of how bad the lines have been. And that goes to show you, if they can get a coach, man, if they can get a coach and they have TJ Hawkinson, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift, Matt Stafford, and an offensive head coach, it's looking pretty good for Hawkinson and the rest of the weapons there in the future. So I really hope that they go that route because I would love to see that offense have a resurgence. Then we move to the Washington football team versus the Dallas Cowboys. Antonio Gibson had himself a turkey on Thanksgiving. Three touchdowns, baby. He was inside my top 24 running backs right after the NFL draft before Adrian Peterson was released. So for all of us that were doing drafts, you know, before the last week of what would have been a preseason, but before that last week, before the season started, for all of us that were doing those earlier drafts, if you were with me, we got Gibson everywhere because he was well outside the top 30 running backs, maybe the top 35 running backs in ECR, and I had him inside my top 24. Then once AP was released, everyone, you know, it suddenly became cool to like Antonio Gibson, but a lot of drafts had passed at that point. And of course, I moved him up as well when AP was released, but he has outproduced all of the expectations I could have even imagined for him. He is the RB5 right now in PPR. And in Dynasty, I I don't see how it doesn't get better for him in the future. Not in terms of finishing RB5, but in terms of the numbers he's put up, it's going to be hard to not be that good in the future. I mean, you already look at you know, the CMC role and the CMC comparison that people like to throw out, and it's very possible he has that jump. CMC was like a fringe RB1, top-end RB2 rookie year, which, if it wasn't for all the injuries, is probably where Antonio Gibson would be. And then he just got committed all the touches, and suddenly he was the RB1. And Gibson, I think that could happen for him very soon. Not to the level of CMC, he's not the same talent, but I do think Gibson moving forward is a top 12 running back. And if people don't realize that, he could be a sneaky buy this offseason. Because if Washington gets a quarterback, or even just a wide receiver to help out Terry McLaurin, if any offense... Or if anybody improves that offense, Antonio Gibson's just going to have an easier time running the ball. And I do think he will get more touches next year because McKissick has been taking so many targets, so many receptions away from Antonio Gibson. Gibson was a wide receiver, basically, in college. And so many people's biggest concern for him coming into the NFL was, oh, Gibson only had 33 carries in college. How is he going to be a running back? How is he going to take a workload? He's shown that that is not a problem. And if he was good enough to be drafted in the third round in the NFL with 33 carries from college, it was basically all based off of his receiving skills and obviously his running skills too, but mainly his receiving skills. And he hasn't even been dominating that. McKissick has had a lot of it, and I don't expect that to continue in the future. I'm sure Gibson will end up taking more and more of that role. So I really like Gibson moving forward. And now we have McLaurin to talk about. He continues to be reliable. There is a uh, report that he may have been playing with a high ankle sprain, 
But I mean, if he was playing with it, I don't think he's going to miss any time in the future. And honestly, that just shows the kind of guy he is. He was good with the high ankle sprain. And when you're Terry McLaurin on the Washington football team, you are the only wide receiver anyone has to worry about in terms of coverage. And he still produces every single week. Imagine, just imagine how good this guy will be if they add another competent threat on the other side of him. I mean, they don't even have a receiving tight end threat. Like, Logan Thomas is all right, but that's just because the tight end landscape is horrible. He's not actually a threat to defenses. It's really just McLaurin. If he has somebody to help him out, we'll really get to see this guy's ceiling. So I'm very excited to watch this Washington football team, their offseason, what they end up doing. And they're actually a hot pick for me right now in uh, Madden 21, which I just got, because I, I like trying to rebuild that team with the nice young pieces that they have, especially with McLaurin, Gibson, Chase Young, that whole D-line, De'Aaron Payne and others, Jonathan Allen, uh, Montez Sweat. I mean, they, they got a nice team building there. Um, so I'm very excited to see what they do in the future. And lastly, the Cowboys side of the ball, not too much to talk about. The offense, <clears throat> excuse me, the offense was pretty spread out evenly uh, with targets and, and whatnot to Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup and even Dalton Schultz, it was pretty even. So really the main talking point here is the running back room. Tony, Tony Pollard looked better than Ezekiel Elliott on the field. He looked better, in my opinion, with the touches. And I'm not like crazy concerned about Zeke, but I do think he, there's a chance he's leaving his peak. There's a chance. And, you know, I think he's a clear tier below the guys that he was in a tier with in this offseason. You know, he was in the tier with Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley. I mean, you can argue McCa uh, McCaffrey's in his own tier. That's what I was arguing. But, you know, the, the tier of Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's clearly out of that tier now, and he would be in the tier three. Um, I would also put Mixon above him uh, if they add some O-linemen, which I don't see how they don't in Cincy for the next season. Maybe not for redraft because Burrow might not be playing until week six but in terms of dynasty i'd put mixon above zeke now sanders above zeke now but zeke's still a top 12 running back and uh if somebody's like truly truly freaking out about him he just got a contract he's going to be there for a while that offense is going to be good again when dak prescott inevitably resigns and they have all the receiving threats still so i still like zeke moving forward he if somebody's super worried you can buy him but that's just my thoughts there um and then we got the cardinals versus the patriots so this is the first Sunday game. Unfortunately, we did lose our third game on Thanksgiving Day, which we still have not seen. It'll be on Tuesday, which, by the way, guys, I will be recapping the Tuesday game and, yeah, the Tuesday game on Thursday's podcast. So don't worry, you're not going to lose any content from there. And now we can talk about the Sunday day games and Cardinals-Patriots is where we're starting. Firstly, what a horrible slate of 1 o'clock games. So many turnovers everywhere, all over the place. Every single game, in my opinion, compared to expectation, compared to the Vegas over-unders, all of the games were low-scoring, except for the Indy-Tennessee game, which, is that really the game we would have thought would have been the high-scoring game? I don't think so. A divisional game with two teams that, well, one team that has a really good defense, one team that has a running identity, it's not a game that speaks to high-scoring at all, and that was the high-scoring game in the slate in 1 o'clock, I believe, so that was super weird, super like weird way to start the uh, the week. And with that said, Kenyon Drake, he is back, guys. You remember the running back we drafted, fringe, end of the first round, top of the second round? I think he's going to start giving us the numbers that we were hoping he would give us all season. And if you're a numbers guy, you just look at the box score, which I'm somebody that likes both. I like, 
you know, mixing numbers with what my eye sees, having a balanced approach. But if you're one of those number guys and you look and you see 3.5 yards per carry, you're probably thinking Kenyon Drake is not nearly as good as he was last year and he's not doing that great. He got lucky with two touchdowns. I think he passed the eye test. When I'm watching him, he's got burst. He's fighting through contact and he looks really good. So I'm very confident locking Kenyon Drake in as an RB2 in decent matchups the rest of the season. And it's not only because of the way he looks, but it's also because the Cardinals are committing to him more. He's getting more touches, especially in the receiving game. Four targets in this game, I believe, and he was not being pulled out in the red zone. Chase Edmonds was not coming in as like the receiving threat, the dual threat. Kenyon Drake was still in in the red zone. That's why he got those two touchdowns. And yes, that's a big reason why he had a great day. But the Cardinals have a great offense. They've been putting up points all year. Kenyon Drake is constantly going to be in the position to get touchdowns. So I really like Kenyon Drake moving forward. And the passing game for the Cardinals was very limited, super evenly spread out. The Patriots did a great job holding them down. Cliff Kingsbury did not come prepared to play against Bill Belichick. He was not creative at all. He did not give Kyler Murray the opportunities he needed to, you know, put the team on his back and win the game. So this was, you know, this was one where I was kind of disappointed with the score. You know, I, I hope to see more scoring, especially from the, the Cardinals, especially while watching the game. There were so many opportunities and so many times I was just so confused with the play calling by Cliff Kingsbury. But it is, you know, it is what it is. And... That's how fantasy football is sometimes. You know, things will happen that we don't expect, including Damian Harris losing out on two touchdowns, getting poached. Ridiculous. You guys who asked me questions throughout the week know how much I like Damian Harris. I believe I called him as a start on th uh, the podcast, but it's actually crazy because I haven't recorded a podcast in like seven days um, because of the wisdom teeth. So I don't even remember <laughs> everything that I said on that podcast because it was so long ago, but... I'm pretty sure Damian Harris was a start for me. And he had multiple good runs. He looks so good when he's running. And he just got poached at the goal line twice, which sucks. And he's honestly the only New England player that I was okay with playing coming into this week. And now I'm not even sure I feel comfortable playing Damian Harris. He's not getting receiving work, and he has no guarantee in the red zone. So even if he's running well and getting them down the field he might be getting pulled out and he has no floor because he doesn't get receiving work so at this point I'm completely out on the New England offense at every single position so no thank you for New England moving forward in fantasy and with that said we're going to get to the Bengals Giants game next but first we got this What's up, divers? Just taking a quick second to say check out Thrive Fantasy, where you can use my promo code DEEPDIVE, and they will match your deposit up to $50. You can bet on over-unders for players' stats, and it's a simple concept to win money. Just do better than half of the opponents, and you win. It's a really cool alternative to fantasy football. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here and drop me a rating or review. That's right, pause it right here. Lastly, if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back in. We're going to talk about the Bengals-Giants game, but before we do that, since I started recording the podcast, a couple things have happened. Will Fuller suspended for six games, basically the rest of the season, because they're not making the playoffs. So my initial takeaway, my, you know, quick reaction, my snap reaction on that is 
Brandon Cooks is still wide receiver two. He's not going to become a wide receiver one all of a sudden because he will see tougher coverage, although he will get more reliable and consistent targets. So I like him just about the same as I did, but I think he uh, has a higher floor now, similar ceiling. So you can be you know, more confident starting him and thinking he won't give you a bad game, but I'm very much liking Brandon Cooks. And it sucks for Deshaun Watson, that's for sure. His schedule was already hard enough for him, and now he's losing Fuller. So if you're a Deshaun Watson owner, I would be concerned, but it's not likely you have somewhere to pivot this late into the season. And then the other thing that happened since the start of the podcast is the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game got moved from Tuesday to Wednesday. I'm not sure how this is going to work um, for Sleeper or ESPN or NFL or Yahoo or whatever it is that you use. I'm not sure if it's going to count towards this week and they're going to extend waivers to Thursday or what is going to happen. Or maybe waivers still run Wednesday and they still just don't calculate scores till Wednesday. I have no idea. Um, So that's definitely something I will be paying attention to. Obviously, you'll be paying attention to that as well. But I just wanted to go over that because that stuff happened since I started recording. And with that said, the Bengals-Giants game will start with the Giants. Daniel Jones got hurt. And exited the game. Colt McCoy came in. They're saying that Daniel Jones' hamstring is serious and he might miss time. So that's not great. Definitely not optimal for any of the Giants. Even though we're not really Daniel Jones fans, nobody really believes in the guy and thinks he's a great quarterback. But he's definitely better than Colt McCoy. And Dwayne Wayne Gallman, Dwayne, ridiculous. Wayne Gallman has another good day shows up in easy matchups. He's been doing it, and, you know, if Daniel Jones was starting, if he's starting next week, I'd be confident in Wayne Gallman. But if Colt McCoy's the guy, look, if you have Wayne Gallman, you might need to start him. That's fine. Just lower your expectations because when a quarterback gets worse, it usually affects the running back in a negative way, especially if they're not a, just like a receiving scat back, you know, that's just getting a bunch of dump-offs because the quarterback doesn't know how to look down the field. So Gallman I'm not too, too excited for because of the injury to Daniel Jones. Evan Ingram, he had a fumble, and he got caught on a would-be touchdown, but he had good work, a lot of targets. He's been having a lot of targets, other than I think last week he kind of had a dip, an off game in target count. But, um, you know, if you have him, tight end is so bad that you're probably playing him. He's a middling play. He's volatile. He'll give you good games, bad games. He's going to be frustrating in that manner, but at least he does give you good games because a lot of tight ends are not able to do so. Sterling Shepard is still the only wide receiver I would play in New York with Daniel Jones. With Daniel Jones. Colt McCoy, he may make the entire Giants offense regress, just like Brandon Allen did for the Bengals in the same game, which now we will get to. Beautiful segue, Brandon. T. Higgins, only five targets, but he was perfect on them. Five for five, caught them all, snagged a touchdown, still came through. The targets are concerning because he only had five, but... He was covered most of the game by James Bradbury, the outside cornerback for the New York Giants, and he was the toughest matchup on the field. So it would make sense that T. Higgins was not getting super over-targeted just because, you know, maybe Brandon Allen's not the best quarterback, but he might be smart enough to realize that there are better matchups elsewhere on the field than targeting T. Higgins when he's guarded by Bradbury the whole game. So, you know, we could see uptick in targets for T. Higgins moving forward. He's still a good-to-go wide receiver two rest of the way for me. Tyler Boyd was not good, and I'm very worried. I need more data. I do. I really need more data before making a decision on outlook 
for Tyler Boyd because I don't want to, you know, freak react, overreact to one game, even though it's hard to not do so just because it was really bad. Six targets, three receptions for basically, <laughs> basically no yardage. Um, so it was a rough game for sure. And, you know, we kind of have to make quick snap decisions because we're super late into the season, but it's not like trading is open. So honestly, Boyd, you just hold him. Don't start him next week. See what happens with Brandon Allen in that offense. And that's what I got on this game. It was a, an ugly game for sure. We're seeing backup quarterbacks on both sides of the ball. And yeah, that's what I got there. Then we got Vikings versus the Panthers. First off, non-fantasy related, unless you're an IDP player, which shout out to you guys. Jeremy Chin, rookie safety, has had a good season all season. But his two fumble touchdowns gave him well-deserved attention in this game. A lot of people, you know, it's easy to not notice rookies, and it's easy to not note when we're talking about defenders, and it's easy to not notice defenders in general, especially for us fantasy guys, unless they're matched up on your wide receiver star, and that's what's making you worried, but safeties don't usually give you that that problem. So Jeremy Chin has kind of been under the radar for most people, people that don't just look at everything, you know, and aren't like super, super into the NFL, like reading articles every day and whatnot. Jeremy Chin's been really good, and I'm happy this happened happened for him because people are now noticing him. He's going to become a household name soon enough, as he should be. So I'm happy for him. Glad that happened. And uh, with that said, the fantasy takeaways from this game, DJ Moore had a non-contact injury. Those are never good. I didn't see much. I watched the injury happen. It doesn't look too bad. There's not a timetable. Um, so TBD on that to be decided. We'll have to just wait and see what happens, but DJ Moore, hopefully you're back, man, because while you've been frustrating for fantasy, you are still a top 20 wide receiver on the year, on pace for over 1,200 yards this season. Last year was 1175, so he's basically putting up back-to-back 1,200-yard seasons, even though you know we haven't treated him the way that you think we would if he's doing that good. It's just because he's been up and down frustrating. We never know when to start him, but nevertheless, hopefully you get back healthy. With that said, Robbie had a good day, and it will continue if DJ Moore is banged up. Every game that DJ Moore misses, Robbie Anderson is a must-start wide receiver. Look, I was already starting Robbie Anderson in this game especially, but he's been the number one wide receiver there all year. He's getting more targets than DJ Moore. He's been more consistent than DJ Moore, and he's not as touchdown-reliant as DJ Moore has been, or big-play-reliant, I should say, as DJ Moore has been with three of his touchdowns being like basically out routes to the sideline that he takes all the way down for 50 yards for a touchdown um but Robbie Anderson you got to start him if DJ Moore's out if you have him and even if DJ Moore's back you're probably still starting him in your flex unless you're super super deep at wide receiver Justin Jefferson in Thielen's absence stepped up with two touchdowns Dalvin Cook left with an injury I'm sure he scared most of his owners but he did return he seemed fine and there's no fantasy related changes here for the Vikings Dalvin Cook, stardom. Justin Jefferson, you're probably starting. And um, obviously Adam Thielen, when he's back, you're starting. One thing that I, I just cross, had crossed my mind, Robbie Anderson or Justin Jefferson? I want you guys to think about that real quick. I'm thinking about it right now. I think I got my answer locked in. Rest of the season, Justin Jefferson, Robbie Anderson. Let's say DJ Moore misses two games, all right? I'm going Robbie Anderson. And that's I'm, that's not me looking at the schedule. Maybe we look at the schedule and it changes. Um, but 
Robbie Anderson is really good, and people are kind of forgetting about him just because he's had a few off games, even though he's got the targets. So I expect him to be good moving forward. Don't worry about him. And obviously Jefferson's good. But any game that they can run the, the ball out with Dalvin Cook and just control the clock and pass the ball 20 times, that's their preferred way to win, and you never want that for the fantasy team of your wide receiver. Jets-Dolphins. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. What do we do with you? You hold them in Dynasty. That's what you do. You drop them in redraft. Every single one of them drop every single Jet in redraft. But in Dynasty, you hold them. The rise of Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims has led to the downfall of Jameson Crowder two games in a row. It's completely evident. I don't even think it's something that is really up for questioning. Denzel Mims did go down. I don't have an update on him. Uh, I've typed in his name in the, in the Google search, and I can't find anything. Um, so... We'll see what happens there, but I'm sure he's fine. And yeah, Mims, Perryman, Crowder, there's too many guys there in a really bad offense now. I mean, it's great for the future if they bring in, you know, an offensive-minded head coach that's young. You guys have heard this before and draft a quarterback or whatever they decide to do. I like it for the future, so you hold them for dynasty. But for a redraft, I'm not touching any of them. And Devontae Parker was back with Fitz, 14 targets, 8 receptions, 119 yards, but... If Tua Tagovailoa is good to go and healthy, he should be back in. That is what Brian Flores has told us and what I think they should do. It's the smartest thing to do for the franchise. Hence, I'm not very excited for Devontae Parker. And nobody else did anything for Miami. They were all MIA, missing in action. Falcons, Raiders. This was a fantasy trap game. All of us were so excited for this game for our fantasy guys. Josh Jacobs, fire him up. Nelson Aguilar, deep sleeper, look for for him in DFS or super deep leagues. Um, let's see, Darren Waller should be going off. Calvin Ridley should be going off. Like Brian Hill, you can plug him in if you need a running back. Matt Ryan, Derek Carr. Man, no, 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 no. All of it sucked. Brian Hill, 5.5 points. Trash. Matt Ryan, 14.9 points for a quarterback. Trash. Derek Carr, 1.6 points. Trash. Darren Waller, 6.3 points. Josh Jacobs, 5.4 points. Only 10 touches. Here's the thing with Jacobs, though. He might miss some time with an ankle sprain. And that's why we were talking about Devontae Booker earlier for the waiver pickups. This game was very surprising with Atlanta's defense dominating. Absolutely dominating. And um, it's definitely not what anyone expected. You know, the over-under showed high-scoring game. The Raiders being favored, this was my only miss. If you guys remember the five favorite betting lines from that last podcast, my only miss out of the five, so we're very much in the money. My only miss out of the five was this game. I had the Raiders covering three. They were favored by three. I had them covering. They got destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Um, And it was crazy. A lot of turnovers in this game as well. Bills, Chargers. The Josh Allen injury scare is real, just like Dalvin Cook's injury scare, just like Daniel Jones. Like, there's there's quite a few, like, minor injuries that look like they could have been a lot worse this week. Josh Allen did come back in the game, though. Was fine. Austin Eckler with, wait for it, wait for it, 30 touches in his first game back. And how many targets? 16. Wait, how many? 16 targets ridiculous he's basically a wide receiver 
playing running back in fantasy football and also getting touches. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Locked in top six running back the rest of the way. I am all in on Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert. This three-headed offense, well, really two-headed offense since you don't really count the quarterback. This two-headed offense is, whoo, I'm here for it. I am here for it. I love them all moving forward. They have a great schedule. One of the best schedules among any team for fantasy purposes in the NFL. And also for Dynasty, give me all the Keenan. Give me all the Eckler. Give me all the Herbert. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And for the Bills side of the side of the game, it was a really run-heavy game, actually. Um, 24 pass attempts for the Bills. Not many things to take away here because of the low pass attempts and the fact that you would think, hey, the Bills only passed the ball 24 times. The running backs were in a positive game script the whole time. The Bills were leading the entire game, and they were running more than usual. Oh, man, those running backs must have had a great day. No. They still don't deliver. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary combine for just under 20 fantasy points in PPR. In PPR, two running backs in a positive game script getting more carries than usual combined for less than 20 points. This is why I was staying away from the Bills running backs, guys. Colts Titans, Derrick Henry took over the game. A.J. Brown was awesome with a sneaky onside kick return touchdown, but even without that, he still would have had 19 points in PPR. So, as usual, you're starting Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown, and actually Tannehill's been a decent option most games, so you can start him as well. Wow, <clears throat> seems like my voice is starting to go a little bit. Naheem Hines was the better fantasy play as expected. A lot of you guys asked me midweek, uh, Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines, who I expected to be better. Hines is just as good of a runner as Jordan Wilkins, but he also has wide receiver skills, and that makes him the better play always, and he's always going to be game script proof. Michael Pittman got nine targets. Only 4.8 fantasy points, so you wouldn't know it. So you got to hold him. You got to hold him. But nine targets, that's promising. Definitely promising. Then we got the Browns, Jaguars. Before this week, the Browns' last three games, this is insane. Last three games, three wins. Baker Mayfield, zero touchdowns. And combined in these last three games for less than 20 fantasy points. Why? This Browns run game is absolutely elite absolutely elite. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb combined for over 200 yards rushing this week. They are great every single week. They are the only players in this offense I like for fantasy. Jarvis had a great day, but over the season he's been bad. We can't really know when to play him, and Baker has been super inaccurate. I mean, I was making jokes on Twitter like, Baker looks great today, guys, right? He was, he missed at least three passes. One was in the end zone, one was a third down dump off conversion for four yards to Kareem Hunt that he missed. I mean, I could have made both passes easily. You could. I don't even know you. I, I don't even know you specifically, the person that's listening to this right now. I don't even know you. You could have made those passes. I guarantee it. Baker Mayfield was airmailing people all over the place. It's, it's honestly just atrocious. I don't know what happened. Baker, one of his greatest strengths coming out of college was his accuracy. And over the last two seasons, this season and last, it hasn't been there. Not really sure what's going on with him. But, uh, I mean, you could make the criticism. I won't do it, but you can make the criticism. He needs to chill with the commercials and, and get back in the gym. Uh, Glennon's favorite target, Mike Glennon. Well, DJ Shark was out. LaVisca Chenault was out. So, who's Mike Glennon's favorite target? Why, of course, Colin Johnson, my rookie wide receiver, 18 this, this offseason before the NFL draft. 
James Robinson had a great day. Still worried about him for week 15 and 16 for playoffs. I mean, that worry's not going to change. I know that technically the Cleveland Browns have been a really good defense against running backs. And by good, I mean holding running backs to low fantasy points. But here's the thing, right? The, the Cleveland defense is not great overall. If you have a defense that's not very good overall, but they're good against one position, there's still a chance that that one position they're good against has a good day if they get a touchdown. Or if, well, yeah, that's basically it. If they get a touchdown, which James Robinson did, because think about it this way. Let's say Cleveland, th- this is what the case is. They're not great against the pass, but they're really good against the run, right? So f- first glance, James Robinson is going to have a bad day. But if the Jaguars are able to move the ball down the field, keep drives going because there still is a weakness in the defense via the pass, it gives James Robinson, the running back, who the Browns are good against, more opportunities to still be good. Now, 15 and 16, those fantasy weeks, the weeks I'm worried about, he's playing Baltimore and Chicago. Guess what? Baltimore and Chicago have great run defenses, but they also have great pass defenses. So it's not going to be, oh, James Robinson was good against bad matchups before, like the Browns for fantasy running backs. He'll be fine versus the Ravens. He'll be fine versus the Bears. No, because the Jaguars might not be able to stay on the field. The Jaguars are able to stay on the field versus the Browns because they could pass versus the Browns. If they can't pass to move the chains versus the Ravens or versus the Bears, which I don't expect, James Robinson is not going to be on the field enough to give you 15 points even. I'm I'm worried about him, and that's not going to change until he proves me wrong. And it's nothing against him. It's just against the offense, against the situation, and against the defenses he's or for in favor of the defenses he's playing against. And I, I talked about Colin Johnson, but yeah, he had a great day. Uh, happy for him. Rookie got got an opportunity, definitely seized the opportunity because a bunch of receivers are out. He probably won't see much playing time. Maybe he earned a little bit. We'll have to see moving forward. But I mean, redraft, there's nothing there. Dynasty, if you have him, he's probably on your taxi squad. If you have a taxi squad, just leave him there. No reason to pull him out. But uh, it's, it's just an interesting, interesting person to keep an eye on. Bucks Chiefs. All right, I'm going to grab a drink of water i'll be right back because my voice is definitely going all right bucks chiefs start of the game mike evans drop punt next drive cameron Brait drop punt next drive antonio brown miscommunication punt next drive chris godwin tough drop punt i have had a serious problem with some of the bucks play calling and obviously I had to get a drink of water because I had to clear my throat because it's the Bucks game. And once again, very frustrated. Run the ball. Run the ball with Ronald Jones. Guys, even Madden ratings see that Ronald Jones is better at literally everything than Leonard Fournette. The only statistic in Madden, and I know this because you guys know I just got Madden 21. The only statistic Rojo is worse at than Fournette in Madden is his trucking ability, which who gives two craps about that? Honestly, Ronald Jones, and I'm not obviously basing this take off of Madden. I'm just saying even Madden can see it. Ronald Jones is a better pass catcher. He's more elusive. He has better vision. He's even a better pass blocker. Think People think Leonard Fournette's a, you know big and strong. That means he's a good pass blocker. Not really. I mean, neither of them are great, but Rojo's better. And neither of them are great great at catching, but Rojo's also better. And he can do way more after he actually catches the ball than Fournette can. He can make people miss, and he can break one. We saw it. He, he breaks off runs regularly. He just doesn't get enough chances. And 
finally, and it's frustrating, but also it's like bittersweet. I'm happy he said it, but it's frustrating. Bruce Arians says Ronald Jones needs breaking news from Sleeper. Ronald Jones needs 20 touches a game. No shit. Where have you been, brother? I've been saying that since week one of the season. And week three of the season, I was knee-deep in it. Where have you been, man? Every time Ronald Jones touches the ball, it's possibly a touchdown. Leonard Fournette, very unlikely. Come on. Come on. Bucks, Bruce, come on. That was frustrating. That was frustrating. But to, to talk about some other stuff, some uh, fantasy stuff in this game, Mike Evans did get another high target count. That's great to see. I told you guys uh, it seemed like he was on the uptick. Bruce Arians was realizing he needs to get the ball to Evans, and he's doing that again. Well, you know what's funny is now he's saying Rojo needs 20 touches a game. Is he going to commit to Rojo? I hope he does. It's the right thing to do. And it's the thing we need to do, this Bucks team needs to do, because Brady is not on the same page with everyone. And, you know, it's kind of a little bit as expected. I mean, yes, we're deep into the season, very deep in the season, but... Brady hasn't played with anybody, any of these people, except for Gronk and Brown. Brown was just added to the team, is still learning the offense, clearly has no idea what the hell he's doing on the field. Uh, him and Brady are never on the same page. And, you know, other than Gronk, who is not the Gronk we used to know and love, which, by the way, he is, he's still very good. I'm not saying he's not good. And he's uh, come into his own. You know, I think he had 100-something, like 120-ish yards in this game. He's been getting a lot of targets. He's still probably the most trustworthy target for Brady in Brady's mind, um, him or Evans. But Evans has had a couple bad drops uh, through the season on like a crucial third down or something that Brady's rolled his eyes about. So, um, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm worried about Evans. I'm just saying I think Gronk is probably his most trusted target. But, yeah, I like Gronk as a, as a tight end if you need him. He's been getting some targets recently, so that's good. But, um, yeah, I mean... We, we better be running Ronald Jones because we got Atlanta twice in the next three weeks. We got to win out, basically. I mean, the Bucks need to keep this five seed to make the playoffs so that we can face the winner of the NFC least and uh, get to the next round of the playoffs. And hopefully in this time, our offense can gel more and get on the same page. And Ronald Jones is getting touches. Mike Evans is getting 10 targets a game. And Chris Godwin is getting eight. And... You know, I don't really care what happens after that, but those three guys need to be getting the ball. And, uh, yeah, so outside of that, sorry, went on my Bucks rant. I mean, that's what you guys expect from me. That That's the one thing you can always expect from me is to go on a mini Bucks rant in the middle of the fantasy podcast. But let's talk about some fantasy stuff. Tyreek Hill cannot be guarded by teams without speed. And what do you know? Perfect timing. The Tampa Bay Bucks were missing their 4-3 speed corner. Jamel Dean in this game. So guess what? We have nobody remotely close to being fast enough to match up with Tyreek Hill. Now, do I think Tyreek Hill would have had a bad game if Jamel Dean, who ran a 4-3 last year and was a rookie last year, was in this game? No. No, I don't think that. Of course, Tyreek Hill's an amazing receiver. He still would have gotten open and did fine versus Jamel Dean. But he wouldn't have done that good, I don't think so, because Jamel Dean can run with him, at least. Tyreek is crazy fast. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, with some safety help and whatnot, I think Jamel Dean would have done a better job than Carlton did. And it's nothing against Carlton. He's just, he's not built the way, you know, he doesn't have the speed. It's not something you can train. I mean, you can get better at it. But, I mean, at this point in people's careers, 
you're built into your body, you've trained and trained and trained and trained. People have different max levels at certain traits, and some guys are not going to be able to be as fast as other guys. It is what it is, man. So nothing against you, Carlton. It was a tough matchup. Uh, I saw the disappointment in your face, man. I don't know why I'm talking to you like you're listening, because you're definitely not. But yeah, Tyreek Hill, he's a beast, guys. He really is. You can't you can't double him. And it's hard to it's honestly hard to put a safety over him because the rest of the Chiefs offense is so good. I mean, that offense is just they can kill you however they want. And that's why they've been the favorite to repeat and take the Super Bowl again this year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I'm really starting to notice a pattern here, guys. Really, really starting to notice a pattern. While the Chiefs are dominating, or while they were dominating this Bucks game, Clyde was not getting much much work. And remember that Jets game where they were dominating? Clyde did not get much work. And a lot of the games when the Chiefs are dominating, which is a lot of their games, obviously, Clyde is not getting much work. But then remember in the Raiders game, I was telling you guys, hey, they're going to need to go to their best players. It's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be close. And it was played close, and Clyde dominated the touches. Clyde is their guy when they feel the pressure. And that's a problem for fantasy this year. I don't think it'll be that way next year. But this year, that's a problem because the Chiefs are not going to be in many close games. And if they're not in many close games, Clyde is not going to be getting a lot of touches. So I kind of missed the mark a little bit here on Clyde. I thought he was going to get more touches throughout the season. And it just hasn't really happened because they're being smart. They're being, I mean, they're doing what they should be doing as a football team. They know they're making the playoffs. They know they have a run at the Super Bowl. You know, keep your your best guys healthy. You know, you don't need to, to pound them. And running back is one of the easiest positions because of how many touches they get and how they get hit by defenders that to get hurt. So it makes sense what they're doing. But uh, yeah, that's the takeaway there on Clyde. And with that said, that's that's what I got on this game. I mean, not too, too much, too much to take away. I mean, the Chiefs are always going to be that same offense with Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes. Uh, pretty much it was just the running back takeaway there with Clyde and uh, Le'Veon Bell. But they're both flexes. I mean, Clyde is obviously the better flex week to week. But yeah, just lower your expectations there. Now we got the Saints-Broncos game. Alvin Kamara was banged up in practice, and Latavius Murray got a bulk of work. I see a lot of people freaking out about Kamara. He's not going to be great with Taysom Hill. I mean, that's just, that's the fact, but he's still going to be very good, and I expect Drew Brees to be back sooner than later. I think he will be back for the fantasy playoffs, so I'm still very much in line with Kamara as a top five running back for, you know, the fantasy season, for the playoffs when you really need him and whatnot, so I'm not too worried about Kamara. Um, and like I said, he was banked up in practice, so that could be part of the reason why Latavius Murray got so much work, more work than Kamara did. And aside from that, I mean, honestly, honestly, this game, absolutely pointless to analyze. Neither of these teams, neither of them had a real quarterback. For I'm, I'm serious. Taysom Hill, I'm sorry, man, you were not a real quarterback. It's a bunch of gimmicky nonsense from both of these teams. Uh, mainly the Broncos. I mean, you're going into a team or going into a game without a quarterback on the roster. Like that makes no sense. I mean, the N- the NFL this year is just ridiculous. And by the way, guys, by the way, uh, I don't understand if I, I honestly at this point I feel like there is absolutely no standard on the NFL's determination of whether a game should be canceled or pushed back or delayed or played through. When it comes to COVID, I mean, we have this Baltimore Pittsburgh game getting delayed 
and pushed back three separate occasions now because of positive COVID tests and and, and whatnot. But then, and because like Lamar Jackson was reportedly one of the the COVID tests, uh, positive tests. And so it's getting pushed back. But then the Saints-Broncos game doesn't get pushed back. You just lost the entire quarterback room because of COVID and you're not pushing this game back. That doesn't really add up in my head, at least. I mean, are the Broncos not important enough of a team for you to push the game back? Do you Are they deeming the Pittsburgh game more important because Pittsburgh and Baltimore both can make the playoffs and the Saints are pretty much locked into the playoffs now and the Broncos are already locked out, so they're like, oh, that game doesn't matter. I mean, you're still giving a free win to a team by making the, <laughs> the, the team play the Saints without a quarterback. I mean, it just makes no sense. And I mean, that's just one example, but you can look anywhere. I mean, um... I'm trying to see if I can think of another one off the top of my head. I mean, I just have all this, all my fantasy notes running through my head right now, so it's kind of hard. But, I mean, there's plenty of examples throughout the season. Like, sometimes they'll say, oh, COVID, push the game back. Sometimes they completely delayed the game in, in the early season and po- postponed it for, like, weeks later with the Tennessee Titans and, what was it, the Steelers? Um, that game, I think it was supposed to be, like, week three, and they just canceled it. Like, it just makes no sense. I mean, they need to find a common ground here. And, like, draw a line in the sand of how many people need to have COVID or, like, what position. Is it if the quarterback gets COVID, then you delay the game, push it back, give them a chance to get the quarterback back, whatever it is. It's just super weird, random, makes no sense to me. But, uh, yeah, nothing to analyze from this game. And the 49ers versus the Rams, another bad fantasy game from the Rams' offense. Cam Akers ripped off a 61-yarder, scored on the same drive like we talked about earlier. It was a Woods and Debo day. All the other receiving threats were quiet. Every single one. Cooper Cup was quiet. Ayuk was quiet. Uh, every, everybody's quiet. Uh, actually, off the top of my head, I don't even remember if Ike played, um, which is bad on my part. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter because I, I have no interest in Ayuk, even when he is playing, when Debo's healthy. I mean, Kittle's out, so a little bit. But, I mean, honestly, the 49ers, they're going to – and they, they're getting people healthy I mean, they just had four, between four and six people come back healthy in this game, and they dominated the Rams. So the healthier they get, and they and Mostert's back now, they're going to continue to commit to the run. The defense is going to dominate. They have no reason to pass the ball. They really have no reason to do that. And I'm not even going to be excited about starting Debo, you know, and now they have Debo healthy. So they're not going to be producing two good passing options or receiving threats for fantasy purposes every week. It's usually only going to be one. I don't like playing that roulette. No, thank you. And then on the Rams side of the ball, you guys know I've been down on this offense the whole time, which is fitting that they beat my Buccaneers because I've been trash-talking their offense all season. But it's true. I mean, they still only put up like 20-something points on the Bucs. Not not much. I think it was 24. I don't remember. Uh, I think the score was, what, 20 what was it, 2017 or 24, 17 or something like that? They didn't put up much points, and they had two turnovers as well. So it's not like they didn't have enough opportunities to put up points. So yeah, that offense, I mean, it's just frustrating for fantasy. I like Akers for the future. I think he's starting to show some promise here in the uh, the offense with McVay. But McVay's starting to see, I mean, man, Goff cannot get it done unless McVay is just calling a perfect game. So it's just, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm d- I'm down on pretty much both these offenses for fantasy purposes. I mean, Cup and Woods are starting, obviously, but you know they're going to give you some down games every once in a while. Bears versus Packers. Mostly in garbage time this happened, but 
David Montgomery and Allen Robinson both delivered with more than 25 points in PPR. Aaron Jones held in check by the tough Chicago run defense, but Devontae Adams was still fine. Devontae Adams will always be fine, guys. He's one of the best receivers in the league, and he has one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Darnell Mooney had the second highest targets at the wide receiver position for the Bears, and this was with Trubisky. So we've seen it now with Foles and with Trubisky. So I think it's fair to say he has that role over Anthony Miller. And he had nine targets in this game, so it's definitely a healthy target share. And Allen Robinson did seem better with Trubisky a little bit, but like I said, most of it was garbage time. I mean, you even have Anthony Miller, which, by the way, might coincide with this Darnell Mooney overtaking him, but Anthony Miller's going out on Twitter saying, man, this shit's embarrassing. That's what his tweet was. Literally, that's word for word what he said. Um, so he's he's clearly he's clearly frustrated. But um, yeah, so Darnell Mooney, I think, is the, the second wide receiver there now. And like I was telling you guys, see if you can get him for like a third. If they figure out a, a quarterback situation there anytime soon, I think Darnell Mooney can be pretty good. I really do. So I like the guy. He's always open. Then we have the Eagles-Seahawks. This is the game that just ended. Uh, I'm obviously recording this right after the game ended, but for you guys, it's been a day or two. The offense is rough. The Eagles offense is rough for Miles Sanders recently. And honestly, I mean, what are you doing, Doug Peterson? What are you doing? I'm not sure why you're only giving Miles Sanders six carries in this game. I know Seattle is better against the run than the pass. And I know us fantasy guys even know that. That doesn't matter. You have to be balanced in the NFL unless you're the Chiefs you have to be balanced in the NFL to be good and you're, you guys are nowhere near the Chiefs and Miles Sanders and nobody is nowhere anywhere near other than Russell Wilson pa- Patrick Mahomes but Russell Wilson doesn't have the entire offense built around him like Mahomes does and Andy Reid is also a much better play caller than uh, Pete Carroll but anyways Miles Sanders over six yards per carry this season and you're giving him six attempts And some of you guys are going to go look at the box score, and you're going to see six attempts for, I don't know, like 30 yards. Not even. not No, not even 30 yards. It was two and a half per carry, I remember. So what is that, 15 yards? Like six carries for 15 yards are going to be like, oh, Brandon, that's why. Because he was doing horrible. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're giving him six carries. That's not enough to judge somebody off of. you got to feed your studs. This is this was more frustrating than the Bucks not giving the ball to Ronald Jones. I mean, Miles Sanders is so good. He's one of the most talented running backs in the league. And you're not giving him opportunities, especially when Carson Wentz is more inaccurate than Baker Mayfield. I mean, Carson Wentz cannot make up his mind. He throws he overthrows his receiver by five yards, or he underthrows his receiver by five yards, or he throws it five yards too far to the left or right. He can never just throw it right to the guy. It's ridiculous. I mean, every single catch in this game by Eagles receiving threat had to be like some body contortion or like rotating your shoulders the opposite direction you're running or slowing down or speeding up to try and get to the ball. It's just like, Carson, what is wrong with you this year? I mean, what what's going on here? But nevertheless, Carson has been a problem, but the coaching has been no better. You see it with the Miles Sanders usage. You see it with when he decides to go for fourth down and the play calls he decides to run and then this nonsense with bringing in Jalen Hurts for like one play or two 
like starting a, a mini quarterback committee for like two drives and then not putting Jalen Hurts in anymore and just frustrating everyone. I mean, I don't know what he's doing, man. The, yeah, it's just, it's completely frustrating there. Uh, and I, I hope it's something that can get turned around. But at this point, the Eagles organization is going to have to make a decision. It's either Doug Peterson or it's Carson Wentz. And guess where all the money's at? All the money is with Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz will probably be fine in Dynasty. He's talented enough that even if something happened and there was a fallout in Philly, he would definitely get a job somewhere. Uh, it would not be like a Jameis Winston situation. He would be starting somewhere. So, uh, yeah, Carson Wentz, I'm not too, like, if you have him in, in Dynasty and I have him in one or one or two places in Dynasty, I'm not too worried about I'm not freaking out. But, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him this year. It's just maybe just it's the concoction of all the injuries and trying to play superhero and whatever, but hopefully it gets better. And then on the Seahawks side of the ball, DK Metcalf showing good consistency. He definitely has a higher floor than Tyler Lockett, as we've discussed multiple times. He does drop one or two balls every single game, it seems like, though. Imagine if he fixes that, and this is something many wide receivers fix. Mike Evans had that problem when he came into the league, fixed it. Amari Cooper had that problem when he came into the league, fixed it. Um, Terrell Owens had that problem, fixed it. Plenty of people get the drops at some point in their career, and they fix it. And usually it's early on. If DK Metcalf fixes it, I mean, he had an amazing game, almost 30 fantasy points today, and if one of his drops was in the end zone. If he got that ball, that was another 30 yards and a touchdown. That's another 30, uh, 10 points. So he almost could have had 40 points here in this game. And he's dropped. I mean, he, he's got a lot of bad drops so far this season. If he fixes it, he could honestly be a top five wide receiver, like, locked in every year. Every year. even And th this is with the Seahawks being committed to the run. So, I mean, just just watch out for that. I mean, he's gonna be he's going to be that dude. Very soon here, if he fixes that, he'll be a top receiver in the NFL too, not just fantasy-wise. Because um, a lot of people are overhyping him a little bit, I think, right now. I don't think he's in that. Uh, Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill conversation yet. Um, but he, he's getting close. He's getting close. He's not there yet, though. And then Chris Carson looked good. And I know you guys are probably laughing because I just was talking about how Mike Evans had a couple drops. But Mike Evans does a lot of things better than DK Metcalf. Let's be real. Now, Chris Carson looked good. He seems to be on a snap count, though, because Hyde did get double the touches than Chris Carson, despite being a lot worse with the touches. But, I mean, he looked good. So I think he'll be fine health-wise, and I really like Chris Carson moving forward, especially because it does seem like Seattle made that switch. They they flipped the switch back to the run-heavy, uh, you know, let Russ be super efficient off a lower pass attempt count type of uh, way, and it, it helps them. That's how they're, they've always been been good they've always won games that way uh so and it keeps the defense off the field so that's good for them and now let's talk that that's all the game recaps now let's talk about some hits and whiffs all right we I, i'm not gonna like bombard you guys with a whole bunch so we'll just go over a couple and then we'll hit the betting lines some hits duke johnson as a start got 17 points on thanksgiving thankful for that all texans versus the lions i was telling you guys start them up start wolf fuller start brandon cooks Start Duke Johnson, obviously. Start Deshaun Watson. Literally, anytime somebody asked me about a Texan, I was all in on starting that person. You had 99 points between the four of them. Duke had 17, and the other three combined for doing quick math in my in my head, about 80 points. The other three did. So 
that's awesome. Then I told a lot of people to start Higgins. We had a huge concern about Brandon Allen, and I was all about him getting a touchdown in this game, and he did. Um, so that's, I mean, you can point that kind of to luck because touchdowns are, are hard to predict for sure, but Higgins seemed like the guy he liked, and Higgins is the type of receiver that it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's the type of receiver that can just win balls outright, so bad quarterback play doesn't necessarily have a negative effect on guys like a T. Higgins or guys like back in the day in A.J. Green or even a Mike Evans who started his career with Josh McCown and then had uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at times and had Mike Glennon at times. Like, he's always been good. You, you know, those big receivers, those big body guys that just win 50-50 balls? We, we love them no matter who's throwing the ball, honestly. And then some whiffs. I told a lot of you guys to start Boyd. And it uh, didn't work out. Definitely didn't work out. And as well, to start to start Carr in a juicy matchup. I mean, Carr was one of the, the highest-picked DFS guys this week versus the Falcons. I mean, he should have lit the world on fire. And instead, he had multiple fumbles, looked bad. I mean, yikes, yikes. That was a horrible game. Nobody saw it coming, but it came. And that's what we love about the NFL, super surprising every single week. And that's why it's always hard for... Anybody to ever be better than 65% accurate on anything when it comes to the NFL and predicting outcomes. But starting car, that was a bad call. And now we get to the new segment. Woo! Five favorite betting lines, baby. So remember, remember the goal of every single week is that we get three right out of the five. I pick my five favorite betting lines, the ones I'm the most confident in going into a week. And, you know, the goal is to hit three. Out of five is 60% hit rate. We're in the money, making money every single week. And guess what? We did so. Let's go over it. Let's go over it right now. All right. So the first call was Washington. I called them to cover. They were favored at the time when I was going over the betting lines with you guys. They were favored to, or sorry, Dallas was favored by two and a half points versus Washington. I said the Washington football team would win outright. They did. And obviously that means they covered, but they blew out Dallas. And Antonio Gibson had an amazing day. Let's go. And um, yeah, so that's the first one. One for one. Next next game, right? Panthers. Minnesota was favored by four and a half versus the Panthers. Panthers covered that line, just like I said they would. That's two for two. Next game, Titans. Indy was favored by three and a half. Divisional game. Indy won the first one. Both teams are good. I said, man, do we really think Indy's going to sweep Tennessee? It's hard to sweep a good team in your division. And it didn't happen. Just like I was hinting at and, and I said the Titans might win this game. They did. And they just not destroyed Indy, but Derrick Henry destroyed that defense. That's for sure. And the Titans covered. So that's three for three, baby. Three for three. Three for three. You know what that means? That means it's time for a new drop. And hopefully, hopefully you guys are hearing this drop every single week because that means we're making money. Oh, baby, a triple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I love that drop. <clears throat> wow. Voice is going again. Um, Yeah. So, and not only, not, not only a triple, not only three, right? But actually four. And the fourth one, the Seahawks game. They were favored by five and a half. I thought they would cover and win by more than that versus Philly, and they did. They won by six. 
because Philly had a garbage time touchdown to make it super close. And the line did move to six and a half. So if you didn't bet it when I bet it, well, I didn't bet it, but when I went over it and when I told you guys, hey, go get these lines while they're sitting where they are right now because I'm confident in them right now. And you took it at six and a half. That garbage touchdown killed you. Um, but when it opened, it was at five and a half, and that's where we went. So that's four for four. And then the last one, guys, I'm sure you know, the Raiders game. <laughs> Huge whiff. Huge whiff on all of the Raiders this week. The Raiders were favored by three, and I thought they would cover. And instead, they lost by 50,000. So that was the one miss. So, so far, so far on this segment, on the podcast, we're four for five. We'll keep track. I'll actually type that in right now. And uh, we'll keep a record over the season. And, I mean, I definitely think I'll have a winning record there. But hopefully it's like a very wide margin because then you guys can be very confident taking my betting advice. So we'll see. But five favorite betting lines so far, four for five. And uh, with that said, guys, that wraps up the podcast on Thursday. Hopefully I'll see you or hear Hopefully you guys will hear me on Thursday. Hopefully I'll be speaking to you in your ear and uh, giving you more great advice to win fantasy week. What is it? What's, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Week 13. Let's go. It's the final week, guys. Next week is the final week until playoffs. That means next week is crunch time. And every question that somebody asks me, I'm going to be putting in the work to give you the right answer. Trust me. I will be putting in the work. So uh, ask me as many questions as you want, and we will get there together. And, um, yeah. And and I know I said I'm making playoffs in 9 out of 11, but that one where I told you I have most points and I'm 6-6 six and six and the 7th seed, there's an outside possibility if I win and somebody else loses that I can still get in. But, I mean, with the way my luck has been in that league over the last 3-4 years, I don't see it happening, <laughs> but uh, it is, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, guys, I'm Brandon, obviously. You know that. And uh, hope you guys have a good one. Leave a rating review if you can. And, uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck this week. Good luck in all your future endeavors in fantasy football and outside of fantasy football. Let me know if you want some merch. Peace. <laughs>